This is an ABC podcast. Feeling a bit brain fried, fatigued from the year, overstimulated from all that screen time? Maybe you need to head outside. We just find that it was very effective for easing my headaches that I was still getting then and also just making my focus and concentration improve when I got back to the office. It was really noticeable. And then when you have to do some new task, you just have more mental resources to devote to the new task, which is why one of the things we see behaviorally is a big boost in creativity if you just go out into a natural world for a little bit without all the technology just kind of when I notice that, um, you know, you're just getting like a bit brain fried or whatever, a bit tired or you're running out of ideas or you're a bit stuck, I'll just get up and walk outside or sit outside and look at the garden. I find it very effective. Hello, I'm Lisa Leong and on This Working Life, Nature at Work, how getting out into the natural world can help you function better in your day-to-day work life. But what's actually going on here with our brains? What's the science behind it? David Strayer is a Professor of Cognition and Neuroscience at the University of Utah. Most of us are spending so much time on our screens, not just during the day at work, but potentially our free time on screens as well. David, how does this affect our brains and how can nature help? The average adult spends about 10 hours a day in front of one screen or another. And that's really a a real radical change from our parents and our grandparents where they didn't have screens. So that's having a kind of one effect in terms of oftentimes just overstimulating us, constantly bombarding us with this or that, some new pop-up or this, that, that's just kind of constantly making our brains have to switch attention from one to the next. Why that matters is that you start to see the brain fatigue and the parts of the brain that are really responsible for all that juggling of the different tasks is the prefrontal cortex. That's the very front of the brain. Of course, that's the um, decision-making, problem-solving, planning, creative part of the brain. And so if you fatigue that by constantly switching attention from this screen to the next and so forth, you become a little uh, dim-witted if, you know, putting it in kind of simple terms. You fatigue that part of the brain that's important for other things. And then the second part of what you ask was what happens when you go into uh, nature and Depends a little bit on what kind of nature, but if you go into it, a natural environment that's restorative, not threatening, and you can immerse yourself in the woods, the bush, uh, on a beach, and you can kind of pay attention to the gentle flow of nature, we see that it restores the brain because you're not constantly multitasking. You tend to be just more in the moment. So we see that respite into natural environments tends to be a nice antidote to the overstimulation that is constantly uh, what our uh, multitasking everyday modern experience is. And in fact, when you've done brain scans, uh, you've seen the difference between someone with screen brain and somebody with (laughs) a brain on nature. Can you describe those differences in the physicality of what the brain scans have shown, David? My lab is uh, with a, a growing body of researchers that are trying to find biomarkers, biological markers uh, that are showing how our brains 
and our bodies are altered by either being in an overstimulated multitasking world or kind of a natural environment. And when we do those studies, we see that brain is really heavily active and kind of basically overstimulated. So the studies where we have people immersed in nature, if they are in that environment without any other technology, the brain starts to quiet down and is restored. If they're in that natural environment, but they're, say, on the phone texting or talking all the time, you don't see those benefits. If you bring your smartphone uh, on your hike and you're on it all the time, you're really kind of not getting that a benefit. So are you saying that we have to put away the devices f- even if we are in nature? Oh, absolutely. The bottom line is when we bring our phone with us and we're on it, we're not really experiencing the natural world and so not letting ourselves reboot. So how does connecting with the natural world affect our brain? We think that There's evidence for both what's called cognitive restoration that actually helps us to rest and relax the the thinking, creative part of the brain. And there's stress recovery that actually lowers our stress levels. And both are found with immersion in nature. So you see cognitive restoration and stress recovery. We think they're kind of linked to that natural experience. And in terms of stress, you see lower levels of blood pressure, increases in heart rate variability, which is a good thing. You see lower levels of salivary cortisol, showing that stress levels have decreased. And you find changes in in the immune system. So in terms of just the physiological body, it really reacts to being in a natural environment. And then the neuroscience that my lab has been doing, as others have, Uh, is showing that you can find changes in patterns of EEG and other imaging techniques that show that the brain is really relaxed and restored. And then when you have to do some new task, you just have more mental resources to devote to the new task, which is why one of the things we see behaviorally is a big boost in creativity if you just go out into a natural world for a little bit without all the technology. And so I'm hearing that some of those benefits, in addition to the creativity, is that you will really be optimized for work because otherwise you're working with a fatigued brain. Right. Absolutely. Uh, You can, you know, just think back to maybe when you were taking mathematics, maybe taking calculus class and you were working really hard to do all the problems. At the end of, say, an hour, you were kind of brain dead. You'd really use your brain hard to try and solve those problems. And you had to go and take a little bit of a break for a little bit to kind of like let the brain recover. Well, it's not as intense maybe as solving uh, math problems, but nonetheless, that constant multitasking and the constant stress of that technological world is creating a drain on our mental resources. And so when you take a little bit of time off, set the technology aside for a little bit, go out and, and interact in a natural space you let that part of the brain recover. Then if you have to come back for some kind of a problem later on, you're just more creative and have more resources to devote to that problem. It's not that you can't use a smartphone and other kinds of devices in a way that's actually enhances the quality of your life. But the problem is we oftentimes just reach for that device, reach for the screen of one type or another without actually thinking if it's really the right thing to do. There's no user's guide for how to use your smartphone So, yeah, you've probably heard these concerns before, but hearing that nature can help is heartening. 
The research shows that there's boosts in positive affect. You feel better. You think better. You think more clearly. You think more creatively. Your stress levels are lower. And just in terms of the quality of your work and your productivity, you increase the, the overall levels of productivity. It's not necessarily that you should have as your end goal just becoming more productive and creating more widgets. But to the extent that you want to enhance the quality of your work, taking uh, measured uh, breaks where you can go out and not think about the problem and kind of get away from it for a little bit has been shown to improve the quality and the quantity of the work. And now that you've convinced us, <laughs> how can we best access these benefits for our working lives? You know, we don't always have the luxury of being able to go out on a three or four day vacation, but you don't need to have that in order to be able to see some of the benefits. Certainly the health benefits start to show up with 30 minutes to a half hour or three or four times a week. And so if you can be mindful and decide I'm going to use a technology in a way that actually is value added to my life and I'm going to sprinkle in exercise and access to nature, that uh, kind of rejuggling things to kind of be in control is a good way to start. How does hybrid work and working from home affect the role of nature in our lives? Uh, you're more likely, uh, if you're working from home, to probably have access to being able to go out in the garden, go in your backyard, go on a walk close to your house where there may be some natural uh, resources you can explore. I mean, that's part of the benefit. The other thing is that uh, when you talked about productivity a little earlier, it's amazing how much time is wasted when we multitask. In the business context, People have suggested that about a quarter of each day is, is just lost due to multitasking. You're in the process of writing something or doing something and you're immediately interrupted by a colleague or a text or something like that. And it takes you some time to get back and then you have to go, now what was I writing? And when they've tried to study you know, how much time is lost, a big chunk of our day is lost uh, by just kind of trying to get back on task. One of the nice things about working from home is I actually think it provides an opportunity to be able to take meaningful breaks that aren't where you're constantly being interrupted. Again, you need to be kind of mindful of how you live your life. Let's talk about those meaningful breaks and let's go to the next level of detail then. How long would you advise them to be in terms of a minimum amount? And uh, do you actually need to be outside, David? We don't precisely have a prescription for exactly how much nature you need and how long you need to have it. An estimate that I would make is that if you could manage to uh, take a, a 30 minute to an hour walk three or four times a week during lunchtime, maybe uh, when you get home from work, if you can squeeze it in, that's part of the problem is you have to squeeze it in. So all these other kind of things that are our daily stressors are crowding those kind of activities out. With respect to could you create a virtual nature? Right now, I don't think we've seen the benefits from a virtual interaction and kind of a, a VR type, a natural experience. It doesn't seem to really mimic the real thing. Eventually, we expect that VR will get, virtual reality will get so uh, robust that it may actually mimic a lot of the kinds of things that we would see in the natural world, but we're not there yet. 
And there's still something real about the exploration of being in the, in the real world with real other living things. In fact, there's a whole notion of something called biophilia that says that humans have a natural affinity to other living things, plants and animals. And so what's actually happening in our brains when we're in nature? It's still a process that we're trying to understand, but there's um, different attentional networks in the human brain. And one of them is the executive attentional control networks that are part of the prefrontal cortex. When we look at people who are in a natural environment without their phones, we see that that part of the brain quiets down and rests. The anterior cingulate cortex, which is kind of the, the integrative hub of the prefrontal cortex, tends to basically quiet down. And we see other parts of the brain that are also active. If you see people mind wandering or meditating, where they're actually kind of not having to concentrate like you would if you're multitasking. So we actually find neural signatures of this quieting of the kind of integrative hub. That's the control center for all these important higher order executive functions like planning and problem solving and solving creativity and just a lot of the kind of things that uh, we think about in terms of important decision making that when you think about making good decisions and smart, wise decisions and being creative, you're a lot of times using that prefrontal cortex, the frontal part of your brain. And if it's tired because of other things, it just can't be as effective. What about if I had a plant on my desk at work? Is it enough to look at that for half an hour in my break? Um, probably not. That doesn't mean that you shouldn't have plants in your office. That's consistent with this notion of biophilia. And there is research that shows that um, being around living things and greening up your uh, the environment is important. I would say that uh, a bigger benefit would be if you could go out and walk in a park um, uh, or take a walk along the beach or any kind of thing where you could really get a little bit of exercise. If you're just sitting at your desk staring at a plant, it doesn't quite do it. It's the same thing with looking at photos. Photos are nice, but they don't produce the same benefits that you see if you're really immersed in the natural world. David Strayer is Professor of Cognition and Neuroscience at the University of Utah. He's done a lot of research into how the brain reacts to the natural environment. And our producer, Sarah Allerley, actually has a very personal story that's relevant to this. Sarah takes us back to 2015. I was riding my bike to an exercise class in the local park like early on a Saturday morning and I was knocked off my bike by a car and woke up on the road in intense pain, didn't know what had happened and everyone was telling me not to move. Ambulance arrived, took me to hospital and I had a shoulder injury but also a um, what turned out to be a mild traumatic brain injury which wasn't diagnosed for quite a long time because it's quite complicated to diagnose brain injuries, um, especially seven years ago. And so with that brain injury, how did you realise you were affected? I noticed the, the morning after I woke up and I tried to read the novel that I'd been reading and I couldn't read it. Not that I couldn't read the words, but I couldn't understand the meaning. And I also discovered that I I was very sensitive to noise. So music, podcasts, television, my kids were pretty young at the time. All of it was too much. Any sort of noisy environments where there was more than one person in a room having a conversation. So cafes were totally impossible. Anything else? I guess I, I found it very hard to focus and concentrate. So 
if someone was talking to me, even if just one person was talking to me, if they started, if the conversation got a bit complicated, I couldn't follow it. So it was very confronting. What was your light bulb moment then? Well, I had been sort of immediately for the first few weeks after I had the injury, I just would sit outside in my garden and stare at this big pecan tree and found that that was one of the only things that would get rid of my headaches and make me my sort of brain clear a bit. But I hadn't made any connections between the natural world and and my brain because I just quite frankly didn't have the cognitive abilities at that point to even to do that. But then it was about six weeks after the accident and some friends invited me on a bushwalk and I noticed that that was the first day since the accident that I hadn't had a headache and also that I was just, I just felt clearer, like my brain just felt less foggy. I sort of joined the dots and thought, okay, there's something going on here. So how did you then use nature for your recovery? I basically just decided to start um, (laughs) self-medicating. So, you know, I just started going on more bushwalks and even by myself, which I'd never done before. And I also would spend more time in my garden and even just walking around uh, local parks and around the streets. And so when did you go back to work and what was the relationship with nature and work at that time? So I finally returned to work about eight months later, but I I found that I I was working at SBS at the time and it was funny because there was a park nearby, which I'd literally been to once in all the years I'd worked there. And I, I suddenly figured out that I could go there for a break at lunchtime or in the afternoon instead of having a coffee. And we'd just find that it was very effective for easing my headaches that I was still getting then and also just making my focus and concentration improve when I got back to the office. It was really noticeable. And then what do you do now? I think I've just pretty much changed my lifestyle a lot since having that accident. I was always always enjoyed and appreciated the natural world, but I've, it's become a much bigger part of my life. And I will, you know, on the weekends prioritise going off for a day walk or an overnight hike. And, and also just on a sort of daily basis, I'll on the mornings that I have time when I'm able to fit it into the schedule of working kids and everything, I'll go out early in the morning for a short walk along a local river and I'll find that the days that I do that, it's quite noticeable how much more sort of geared up I am when I sit down at my computer. But also, you know, working from home has the huge advantage of like, I'm lucky that I have a back garden right outside the back door of where my desk is and I'll just kind of, when I notice that, um, you know, you're just getting like, a bit brain fried or whatever, a bit tired or you're running out of ideas or you're a bit stuck, I'll just get up and walk outside or sit outside and look at the garden. I find it very effective. It sounds like you've got enough self-awareness to know when you need um, a, a dose of nature. For those of us who aren't so tapped into our bodies, do you have any suggestions for how we might build it in into our routines? You know, make time to go for a walk in the morning or after work or at lunchtime like I think you can think I don't have time but actually it's like any of that stuff right like you don't have time not to do it. David runs a lab at the University of Utah that takes volunteers out into the natural world for three days to test how this reset changes their brains. So the three-day concept originally came from a lot of outdoor enthusiasts from climbers and river rafters and hikers who kind of said, in the first day on a trip, I'm, I'm a little bit kind of wired from just getting there. And the second day, I'm kind of starting to get into the groove. And by the third day, it kind of really kicks in. And I feel like I've really escaped from the rat race of the whatever I was doing before. 
there's a whole bunch of people who've kind of anecdotally uh, kind of reported that it takes a couple, two or three days for that three-day effect to kind of kick in. So that's where we do a lot of our immersion studies is we will test people before they go on a trip. We'll test them when they're actually out in the natural world, when they've been uh, away from all the technology. And then we'll usually test them when they come back. And what we typically find are a very different pattern after they've been away from everything for two or three days. Creativity scores go up by about 50% and EEG levels show that the prefrontal cortex is recovered from a lot of the overstimulation. And would you say this is quite useful um, when planning holidays for the working year ahead? If you can try and integrate interactions and being in the natural world into your holiday, it'll tend to be a more restorative experience. And you'll basically find your body tends to be have lower levels of stress and you tend to think more clearly after a couple of, of days in that environment. If I was planning and when I do try and go on trips, I try and be mindful of making sure that the trips are long enough so I can really get away and be again in a natural, have a natural experience. Go to the beach, go on a hike, go in some kind of area where you can kind of just get away from it for a while. The research that comes out of something called attention restoration theory, one of the key components for being restored is the notion of being away, getting away from the rat race for a little bit. And David, what are your latest research findings? Uh, just kind of trying to hunt down a little bit more about what exactly is happening in our brains that leads to that restorative experience and why do we see such big changes in our positive affect, our mood after we've been in the natural world for a little while. Why does nature make us happier and more creative? And what have you found so far? Our toolkit is mainly looking at EEG, the electrical signals that come from the brain, and you can put electrodes on the, on the scalp and measure that EEG. And what we're seeing is that there are very different patterns. In a sense, kind of the overstimulated brain tends to quiet down. First of all, we see that in the prefrontal cortex where the that part of the brain uh, and the anterior cingulate cortex tends to be less active. And we also see an increase in the uh, level of activation in the occipital regions. So that's the part of the brain that deals with vision, what we see. We see that when you're in a natural environment where there's all kinds of interesting things to look at, and it might be the flow of, of water along the river, it might be the clouds across the sky, it might be the gentle breeze blowing um, leaves and so forth, uh, that tends to capture our attention. And consequently, we see more activation in the occipital region associated with kind of just that soft fascination of what nature's doing. It's kind of the paying attention to the flow of, of the world. I love that so much. I always try and think about where humans came from. And 100,000 years ago, we didn't have smartphones and TVs and cars and, and so forth. But we did have a world where we were part of the natural experience. We were part of that natural world. We've, especially in the last 50 to uh, 100 years, really radically changed what our world is like. We don't know what the uh, effects of that are long term. This is something that's really relatively new in uh, human evolutionary history. Probably the last 10 or 15 years have been very, very different in terms of our experience versus anybody who came before us. So I think it's worth being mindful of how to use that technology and when to use it and realize there's an antidote 
to this overstimulated kind of modern technological rat race that's what we're oftentimes confronted with. And that's to go outside, to go into the natural world, to be in a park, or to take a longer period of time to kind of decompress from all that technology. It's a way to make us think more creatively and to lower our stress levels. And those are both things that we should all try and uh, uh, to do more of. That's Professor David Strayer from the University of Utah. We also heard from Sarah Allerley. You can hear more about her experience on the Brain on Nature podcast. We made this episode on the lands of the Gadigal and Wiradjuri people. This Working Life is produced by Sarah Allerley. I'm Lisa Leong. And until next time, love your work. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.